First Draft, the improvised audiobook presents Struggles of a Dark Lord, story inspired by you, our dear listeners. With this week's chapter title inspired by Braden Ned James Wilcock on Facebook, read and improvised in real time by Zach Atherton, and introduced by me, Nimbly Pimbly. Chapter 1. The Goblins Want Life Insurance. Beginnings are the worst. Starting a story has to start with chapter one. An introduction of a character, a start of a theme, laying down the groundwork of which will hopefully become a tale worth listening to. Getting it right is so crucial and yet so easily messed up. Think back to any first date or job interview or anything you did for the first time. It was terrible, wasn't it? Awful to think that you can't take it back. Etched into the stone of eternity, the decisions that you make can put a lot of pressure on a person. This is particularly true for your first day on the job. Your first day is never easy. You're nervous, trepidatious, overeager, wanting to please but not looking like you're wanting to please. And this was especially true of David. David had recently been promoted to shift manager. He had worked hard for it and he was moved to an entirely new department where he would now be overlooking the tenants of his company for his business. It was a big responsibility and something that he had worked hard for. Something he wanted to get just right. You see, David was an eager beaver He's one of those guys who clocked in late and came in early, didn't complain, except maybe when there wasn't enough water in the water cooler, but even so would only do it to the janitorial staff who didn't really have control over that anyway. This was a normal first day on the job, with all of the bells and whistles of nerves. In every way normal, except for the fact that David was a goblin, and he worked in the Down Under. David walked in to his cave, looking down at the new arrangement of where he was going to be spending his existence. He looked up at those tall stone things up in the ceiling, those spikes that seemed to be coming down, and he tried to remember, what were those again? Uh, tight. They're, if they tied up on the ceiling, they must. They're stalact, stalact tight. If they come up from the ground, there might be stalact. He couldn't remember, but it was intimidating to say the least. For so long, he had worked the portal that he didn't even think it was possible that maybe he would work with another living being again. He being a low-level goblin. He never expected to amount to much. So when he got the call from the powers that be that said that he would be taking over the midnight to 2 a.m. shift lead at the Down Under, he was shocked, pleased, of course, tickled even, for there would be new benefits for him. He got ready for that day, trimmed down his long toenails from six inches to a, a clean five and a half, 
sharp points and buff them so they had a slight gleam in the candlelight and tried to make himself look as presentable as possible. As he walked in, he noticed things that he had only heard about up to that point. He heard screams and the casual wails of those who had been trapped in the down under. And it brought a small smile to his face. He had made it. He had done something. He had finally starting to move up the ladder, even if it had taken him 1,500 years. He quickly searched around for the person who looked the most in charge, and he saw about a five-foot-two burly goblin with a scar on his chest, which he knew to be a name tag to say Blorville. Uh, excuse me. Uh, hi, uh, my name's David, and I'm here. I know who you are, said the large goblin. You're going to be over in K442. Oh, very good. Very, very good. Is there anything that you need me to do? Uh, any, any paperwork that I need or, or any? Nope, that'll be all. Here's your seer stone, uh, here's, here's your whipping lash and your sky glass. Go take it over there, watch over the regions from 12 a.m. to 2, report through your sky glass should anything happen, but let me tell you, nothing ever happens. Thank you, said David, his confidence and excitement beginning to wane a little. He noticed to the side of Blorville, the shift manager he was speaking to, noticed a small tote made out of a skin of some sort, and he put it on his side and shifted past as he walked back a little, a step or two, realized he looked as though he was showing fear and quickly scuttled forward, passing by large vials of what appeared to be morphing faces, shifting in and out pains of agony and disgust and fear. He found his cave, went inside, noticed a small stool. Some rock had been carved out to the side, which he assumed which would be his desk, and he laid it down. He sat and he noticed his sky glass. Sky glass had a mist within it. It looked like the calm after a storm. There were still clouds in the sky, but nothing brewing, nothing too exciting. He took a moment and just breathed in. He had moved. He had done something. It wasn't exactly as he had planned, but hey, at least he was here. His shift passed without much ado, and he picked up his things, and he headed out the cave. He noticed other people shifting and taking his place, and he went through the portal and when she came and back to his hovel. Back at his hovel, he made himself his usual meal, some scraped off sodium off of a cave wall and scraped it into a, a bowl of blood of snakes. It was his favorite meal, after all. It was his only meal, but he loved it all the same. David looked over to his wall on the the north side of his hovel, where he had scratched thousands and thousands of lines into the wall. When he got heard news of the job, he had scraped one large line on the side onto a fresh side of his cave and put a fresh new scratch on the side. 
one day down. I wonder how many will be before my next step. David woke up again, ready for his new shift. He didn't have much to exist for, and so most of the time he just slept staring at the wall, ready to work again. David did this in day in and day out, going to his shift, casually glancing at his sky glass, wondering what window he was peering into into what world he was seeing. But every day was the same. Came in, shuffled in, kept his watch, and went back home. Another scratch in the cave door. Cave wall, rather. He decided one day that maybe it would be best if he got to know some people. Goblins are typically insular and isolated by nature, but hey, it can't help to network a little bit. So he got in one day, he spent his first 20 minutes as normal to avoid any suspicion, and then decided to head over to what I guess you could call a common area, a, uh, a place where water dripped down from a stalactite thing, that a pointy rock from the ceiling that dripped down into a pool of water. He noticed a couple of goblins on there, muttering under the breath. Hey, are you guys new here too? said David. Who wants to know? said a scrawny little goblin with a slightly pudger, but equally a short friend. Oh, I'm just here to make some conversation, said David a little bit too nervously. No, we're not new, said the unnamed goblin. We've been here for years. Centuries, even. Oh, wow. Oh, shift manager, huh? I mean, uh, pretty good stuff. I used to be a portal man. What you at? What you want? You want something or you just want to get out of here? Get out of here, said David. Why, why would I just got in? Come close. Come here for a second. Then the larger one spoke. Looked deep into his eyes and put his hand on his shoulder and said, You ain't never getting out of here. You're going to be a shift manager the rest of your days. What if there was more? More, said David. W what more could I possibly want? I mean, this is... He recognized in the falter of his voice that he was a little depressed and a little concerned that his existence so far had been so bleak and monotonous. Goblins are creatures of habit after all, and so as the years passed, it didn't mind, but... He still had some semblance of common sense. We're busting out of here. We're going to take the nearest portal and see what's on the other side of the down under. The people here calling it the the up and upper. The up and upper? You, you mean the, the, the place that, that we look at and, and monitor and, and sometimes carry to and fro? Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Gosh, guys, I don't... I don't know... That sounds awful dangerous. I, I haven't I haven't done anything uh, ever since I came into being. I've just done my job and I you with us or we out us? Are are you with sorry, I stumbled over my words. Are you with us or are you without us? David was so slightly confused. I'm not quite sure exactly what you mean by that. Listen, do you want to stick here as a shift manager every day for two hours? Looking in your sky glass, nothing happened, and then go back to your hovel every single day. What kind of existence is that? I, I'm i not sure, replied David. It's the only existence I know. Will you listen here then? 2.30 a.m. 
were staging a coup. You see the large shift manager over there, Blovel? He's got a key. He's got a key to a scrying glass that also can show us the place of a portal out of here. We're going to the upper nupper. And we're going to go tonight. Now I can't force you to do it, muttered the unnamed goblin. But I tell you, I've never known anyone on this floor to leave. So if you want your chance, now it, it is. David replayed those words in his mind. If you want your chance, now it is. He couldn't help but feel that goblins weren't the best at grammar. He wasn't really quite sure how he was any different, but he recognized that he spoke a little strange, but at the same time recognized that this might be a chance. I'll think about it, he said. Either way, said the burlier one, you best not tattle. Of course not. He slunk back and walked to his cave, looking at his scrying glass. He, David, was going to plan something this risky, this soon. He had never done anything remotely exciting in his life. For as long as he could remember, he just did as he was told. He had felt things inside him that he didn't understand and could only describe it as a tear. He spent the rest of his shift contemplating on his life and trying to remember who he was. He couldn't quite remember. He had, after all, just done his job and gone about his way. As the time passed, he looked over it to the dripping hourglass, a blood-red vial that dripped from one side to the other with a liquid he'd never much thought about trying to identify. He recognized that his shift was over. It was 30 minutes until stay or leave. David walked out of his cave, and he just sat for a minute, sat for a minute by the water drip. He took a deep sip and sprinkled some water on his face, gnarled and accidentally breathed in a little bit too deeply and inhaled a little water and had that awkward nasal water thing where it's in your nose but also in your throat and coughed a bit. And at that moment, David first came to the terms, came to terms rather, with how lonely he was. He'd worked so hard for so long that he had forgotten what it was like to have an emotion. And yet another emotion was building up inside of him. It was an emotion of excitement, of the possibility that something could change, something could be different, and something would go well. He stood up and he waited. He couldn't remember where the other two goblins had told him to stay, and so he just sort of circled around for a bit, trying to avoid awkward gazes of those who walked around him. Finally, the shrunken head on the wall screamed two times long and one time short, a bit of a yip, as it were, and he knew that the time was 2.30. He saw the two unnamed goblins shuffle out of their caves. They met their gaze. They looked over at a 
tunnel within the room. The place they worked was a catacomb, a maze of tunnels with different offices, different places of business for different dealings for the underworld, or the down under, as we've called it before. They both glanced over at the far left and slowly shuffled under there, or over there. They communicated him with their eyes in such a way that to say now or never, but don't make a scene. As he saw them walk casually over, he found courage burn in his chest like a cup of hot liquid pouring down his esophagus, warming him and giving him some pep in his step. He casually walked over there too, maybe looking a little bit too conspicuous. They made it over the cave, and they peeked in, and they pulled him off to a side, cool, damp side of the cave wall. All right, listen, said the taller and leaner goblin. I never got your names, by the way, said David. Shh, he said. You don't need to know that right now. That's not important. This is the plan. Every night at 2.45, Blover will put his keys up on the wall and go in that chamber to report to his superior. That is our window. We take the keys. We go over to the sliding glass in his desk. It'll tell us where the portal is. We go to the portal. We use the keys to go there, and we go to the upper-nupper. Fifteen minutes doesn't seem like a very much of a long time, stammered David nervously. Well, it's going to have to be enough, though, isn't it? Or would you rather just stay here and distract him, or we go and leave without you? No, 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 said David. I'll, I'll do it. The plan also involved commandeering a cart of supplies so they would look less suspicious. At 2.45, they would be taking out the waste in Blorville's office and be restocking him with what he needs, the usual jars of eyes and tag moles and skins and wings of translucent bugs. They made it over back there, and right at 2.45, they saw Blorville eyed them down. David was sure to obscure his face with the garb of the worker goblins so as to not arouse suspicion, although he was fairly confident Blorville wouldn't have recognized his face anyway. At 2.45, just like clockwork, Blorville stood up, stretched, took a key off of a belt that he had loosely hanging around his almost bare body, and placed a key on a hook by the wall, and walked down a circular door, opening it first, of course, going through and disappearing behind it. Now's our chance then, isn't it? Quick as a flash, they took it and they scampered out. Heads turning as they run about. Oh crap, we've got the sky glass. Oh shoot, I can't believe we've got this one part of the plan, said David. They ran back quickly, reached under his desk, eyeing quickly to see if the door was opening. Luckily, no one was there. Pulled out the sky glass and didn't know what to do. Uh... I've only really watched these. I haven't used them. Come over here, then. Give it to me. He saw as the goblin gently rubbed its finger on the sky glass, a jagged piece of translucent material about the size of their face, but with jagged edges. David couldn't see anything, but it sure seemed like the taller goblin knew what to do. Oh, of course, of course. That makes sense it would be there. Oh, those tricky devils. All right. Looks like we got it.
but it's going to open up only once right at three o'clock, right as he's leaving. Boys, this is it. We're going to determine whether we're going to be heroes or we're going to be goblin meat. <laughs> I hope we've got good life insurance, chuckled David, nervously trying to lighten the mood. The shorter starter one said, We ain't got any life insurance. What, you joking? Who are we goblins? Uh, you think that they're going to give us some sort of plan in case we... No, no, of course not, said David sheepishly. Can I get your names, please? In your mind, or rather in my mind, I keep referring you to the tall and skinny one and the shorter and stat one. Can I? Can you please just let me know? Asked David, a little nervously, a little impatiently. All right, then. I think you deserve to know. My name's Jax, said the tall and skinny one. And my name's Bloop Bloop. Said the short and stouter one. Jackson Bloop Bloop, said David. Those are good solid names. Well, where is it? Where do we go? Over there by the drinking hole. <laughs> would have never thought that's the only place we have any refreshment. Why would we ever guess? Oh, you guys go to the drinking hole? Uh, back in my old place, we used to have a water container. This guy would fill it up. Stop wasting our time, said Bloop Bloop. Oh, right, sorry. Reminiscing, said David again sheepishly. They wandered over, eyes darting back and forth from Blorville's office, and made their way to the center of the drinking hole. Jax, taking the key that he had taken off the wall, placed it on the water surface, the head of the key facing down. As he let go, the key didn't submerge under the water, but it stayed there, as if it could not penetrate the surface tension of the top of the water. All right, then. Right at three, the keyhole will appear. We'll have to turn it. I'm not quite sure how this portal's going to work. And we all jump in and see what's on the other side. David glanced over at the wall. The shadow dial that kept time as he saw that it was about five minutes to three. All right, uh, we've got five minutes to burn. Uh, you guys have any plans what you can do when you're on the other, on, you're on the other side? <laughs> you could tell that Bloop Bloop and Jax weren't in of much a joking mood. Right, said David. I'll just be quiet. Just then, they heard a bounding down the stairs of the voice of an angered goblin crashing down. Oh, blimey, said Jax. He must have gotten out of his meeting early. Oh, um, we got to distract him. Big, I'm not going to be able to make it here, boys. We have to be able to make what to stall him in another four minutes before this thing opens. David scared. Guys, I, 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 I don't know what to do. He's, 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 he's the head goblin. Gosh, he's got, he's got powers. He's got diminutive powers that, that could blast us into nothingness. Blue Blip slapped him. Pull yourself together. I've got an idea. The next few minutes both seemed to happen in an instant and in bullet time to David. Quickly following Blue Bloop's lead, they ran into people's chambers and grabbed their scry, their sky glasses and threw them. David didn't really know the properties of a sky glass. He knew that it was magical or enchanted in some way. It was a way for them to peer into another world. But he had never known what happened when they exploded. Whatever energy had been imbued inside these shards of glass caused a shockwave that caused people to tumble to the ground. They only had to do it a couple times until a strange chain reaction of the walls and the room shaking and people stepping out of their caves to see what are happening. 
only to have their sky glasses clutched in their arms, as per policy, to explode, knocking them down under. David could see Blorville, stumbling down and getting back up on his feet, furious, walking down. When I find who's done this, I'm going to have their head on a spike, as he said as he tumbled down again as another shock wave of unreleased magic burst through the cave. Bloop Bloop Jacks and David were also affected, but were able to counter the shock waves by knowing it was happening. They had the advantage of knowing what was going on. So although they stumbled, they were still able to work their way back to the pool. He looked, and by he, I mean David, looked up at the shadow clock on the wall and knew that there were mere seconds left. We're going to do it, guys. We're going to do it. They stood by the edge of the water as mayhem and catastrophe encircled around them. David had never had a friend before. His whole existence it was solitary work, and he couldn't but help in this destruction and pandemonium, help but feel a bit of kinship. He looked up and locked eyes with a bloop bloop and jacks and gave them a little grin. In the bullet time seconds before the head shrieked three times, David remembers even holding out his hand, maybe in a gesture of friendship, maybe as a means to steady themselves. Perhaps, David thought, he would start a new life, one with a relationship and connection, something that had been so foreign to him, something that seemed organic and innate, but yet escaped him. The head shrieked once. David glanced and saw his soon-to-be friends. The head shrieked twice. They prepared to jump. And as that third head shrieked, David had a memory, a memory that wasn't connected to his time as the portal guard or as his recent job as a shift manager of the Down Under. But he had a memory of a stem, a stem with seeds attached that went up into wispy stalks that when blown would shatter or rather spread in the wind and the word that came to his mind although it was foreign to him was the word dandelion and a memory of a hand he didn't recognize blowing cool wind into the dandelion and scattering it across when David came to from this moment he had a sudden realization as to why his brain would recall this memory. For as his legs went from the downward prep position to the leap position, and as they began to fall, he saw his acquaintances, Jackson Bloop Bloop, explode and dissipate like a dandelion. Two balls of light hitting their backs, and as a chain reaction, causing them to both implode and explode at the same time, leaving nothing but a residue of what either could have been a gas or a powder. You remember seeing their eyes open and half excitement and half fear as they blinked into nothing. As David fell into the now open portal, the last thing he saw before inky darkness was Blorval the large shift manager, 
and a man in a dark cloak, with his hand outstretched, small crackles of lightning, what appeared to be long, bony fingers. As he fell downward, as they fell out of view, as he saw nothing except and felt nothing except the sensation of free fall, he heard the words, not to worry, he won't last a day. This has been First Draft, the improvised audiobook. Music by Ethan Young, hosted by the Improv Broadway Network. To help create the story, please leave us comments or suggestions on Twitter and Facebook at First Draft with two S's or at firstdraft at gmail.com, also with two S's. This is Nimbly Pimbly. Thank you for listening, and may you have a happy Christmas, or at the very least, a smashing New Year. <laughs>